On today's show, Patrick Beverly traded to the Lakers. What does this mean for them and Russell Westbrook's future? Plus, the latest on Donovan Mitchell, Chet Holmgren's season-ending injury, and we rank the most clutch players in the NBA. All of that and much more coming up on today's Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Friday Locked On NBA, your daily podcast on the NBA. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or on your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. I'm Wes Goldberg from Locked On Heat here with Mike Richmond from Locked On Trailblazers. Mike, thanks for jumping on here on a special Friday episode. How you doing? Hey, thanks for thanks for having me. I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, good. Well. You and I are going to talk Donovan Mitchell and Chet Holmgren in a minute, but let's start with the Lakers, uh, who traded Taylor Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson to the Utah Jazz for point guard Patrick Beverly. Mike, what are your thoughts on the deal? Uh, I think the Lakers upgraded their roster, but it's like the cycle of a couple years of having a lot of stupid roster decisions make this one feel a little bit worse. I think Patrick Beverly helps. Um, he plays defense. He'll help kind of their issues with their they're kind of quitters last year. They would quit a lot. Yeah. And I think Pat Bev's sort of MO is like, hey, we have to continue to play hard. I think that'll help sort of the uh, general chumpiness cure that they could they could use. Uh, and in theory, he could shoot. He didn't shoot very well last year, but he's like a career 38% three-point shooter. Those mm-hmm. guys typically play well next to LeBron. Um, I don't know how they guard wings still, but in theory, right. this he helps. In theory, he helps. And for Utah... Uh, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker was supposed to be the key to an all-star. So I, 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 guess, I guess he'll help. He ended up being the key to Pat Bev. Sure. He's, he's 22. I think on the on non-Lakers roster, he can be better. Uh, you know, he's he's got some on-ball juice. And if he ends up being a starting guard there, depending on what happens with Donovan Mitchell, I, I think you have some upside. Makes sense for Utah. You have no use for Patrick Beverly. They also still have other vets Bojan Bogdanovic Mike Conley like you figure all those guys once the Donovan Mitchell domino falls like those guys will start being talked about more in trades too like this is a rebuilding team they've pretty much signaled that yep. so get a couple young guys uh for the Lakers it's interesting right because yeah you didn't have to part with any of your first round picks which it feels like they've been reluctant to do so far and, and you do upgrade the roster Patrick Beverly is a better player for that team than Taylor Horton Tucker was than Stanley Johnson even was even even though he was impressive for them last year but um, it's just another one of these two for one deals. Like it just feels like the Lakers ever since they won the championship in the bubble are just sort of making these kinds of trades, you know, with the Russell Westbrook one being probably the loudest one, right? You just basically move your entire rotation out to get Russell Westbrook in. And now it's it, like, yeah, Patrick Beverly, I, I do think it upgrades a roster, but this was already a thin group that just got a little bit thinner, you know? And so I, I really don't know what the other option was if you're not going to move these picks, but now that you don't have sort of that big chunky salary of of Talon Horton Tucker, which by the way, finally we can have Lakers fans stop talking about, well, Talon Horton Tucker and this will get us this thing. Like now that thing is over. We don't have that as a conversation starter, but um, yeah, what's the pathway to Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, you know, name the grouping that you wanted. I don't know. Maybe that stuff was never really feasible or on the table as much as it's been talked about, but it kind of feels like maybe um we've talked about it so long that maybe if it were ever going to happen it probably would have happened by now but i i I kind of think this deal keeps that open like if you're just reading the sort of um power broker tea leaves uh when adrian wojanowski tweets 
there are no picks in the deal. Right. To me, that says the picks are still there for Buddy Heald. Hello, hello, uh, Kevin Pritchard and, right. and Chad Buchanan, Indiana. Um, yeah, like I think it's still to me. This keeps open those other trades. It's just like uh, you know they you have yeah you still have, Horton Tucker. You have one less part to right. trade. You still have the Westbrook salary, which I guess you would have to attach those picks to another team would buy out Westbrook presumably or whatever. And then you get those players back. I guess that's the next move, right? And so that kind of leads us to our next question is, does this mean Russell Westbrook is gone? Because, of course, Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook play the same position. Uh, is, I don't know if you can start them in the backcourt. I don't know if you have any better options if you're the late. I don't know. Does What do you think about Russell Westbrook's future now in L.A.? I mean, more than the positionality stuff, they have 10 years of pretty well-documented beef. Uh, Pat Paff and Russell Westbrook have pretty openly disliked each other for closing in on a decade. Right. Uh, it was the, I believe the 2013 playoffs when Pat, Pat Bev lunged for a loose ball after a timeout and to- helped Russell Westbrook tear the meniscus in his knee, right. causing him to miss a significant chunk of time. Then there's a whole bunch of stuff. I think it's 2018, 2019 when, uh, Russell Westbrook famously said, Pat Bev tricked y'all. And uh, it became a meme because yeah. all Pat Bev does is run around. He's no good on defense. Then last year at the trade deadline, Patrick Beverly is out there tweeting, guess who tricked y'all? My man is a magician this year and was like, you know, trolling, actively <laughs> right. trolling Westbrook in February of this year. Like not exactly ancient history. This is six months ago. Um, you know, pe- people can get over it. Different working conditions change things. But like, I, seems like two dudes who don't like each other and you're bringing them into the same locker room and NBA. Locker rooms, there's a fragile ecosystem. It's only 15 dudes. Yeah. Westbrook has beef with a lot of guys right now at the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, they did yeah. fire the one guy he had the most beef with in Frank Vogel, apparently. But LeBron, Russell Westbrook, Summer League, not sitting next to each other. Maybe some simmering beef there. I don't know. Um, the Patrick Beverly thing is interesting. I don't know if he tried to quash it a little bit. There was this ESPN appearance that he gave, I don't know, a month ago, two months ago. Who knows? Um, where they asked if they would, if he would be willing to play for the Lakers, and then he basically said, "Yeah, I would love to play for them. Play with legends like LeBron James and Russell Westbrook." So I don't know if that meant that Pat Bev had some sort of inkling that this was maybe on the table even back then. But um, I don't know. I don't know how much it does directly impact Russell Westbrook's uh, future in Los Angeles yeah. more than how questionable Westbrook's future was already in Los Angeles, right? Like this is a player that they were already trying to move off of. I don't know that getting Patrick Beverly means that they're trying harder to move off of him. Maybe the only thing means that uh, maybe they think it's a little bit more imminent or because it's the plan, they need to have an answer at that point guard spot regardless. So either way, yeah, we'll maybe, they were, maybe they were waiting for the Kevin Durant domino to fall because right. they realized they were kind of out of the sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, okay, we got to do our little minor stuff to make yeah. this team get better. Uh, but I'm with you. I don't think Russell Westbrook, it was, you know, on Monday, he was a weird fit and probably a short timer in LA. And on Wednesday night, when this happened, he was a weird fit and a short timer in LA. Yeah. Woke up a Laker blessed, right? That's the, that's the tweet. Um, well, you mentioned dominoes falling after Kevin Durant. The Donovan Mitchell one is the next big one. That's what we're going to talk about next because we have the latest reports uh, around that. But first, today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information, plus Live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. 
Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. It's Bet Online, where the game starts. Back here with Locked On NBA, Wes Goldberg with Mike Richmond. Um, let's talk Donovan Mitchell now, right? Uh, got a new report coming from Tony Jones of The Athletic who writes that Donovan Mitchell has a list of three preferred destinations uh, should he be traded. New York, Brooklyn, and Miami. Now, the Jazz and the Knicks are having conversations about a trade basically as you and I record this show, uh, Mike. So do you read this as anything more than just a leverage play by the Utah Jazz in their pursuits of maybe trying to ring out a little bit more from the Knicks in a Donovan Mitchell deal? Yeah, it's it. That's exactly my read. Is that it's that the Donovan Mitchell camp and the Jazz camp are like it would be better if there was a frothier market for this gentleman, and so they're, you know, making it so it looks like he has a has a frothier market. Uh, I don't. I, I think he ends up a Nick. Like I don't, yeah. I don't know if really changes. It. They seem to be the team in the hottest pursuit, a team that can make it happen. Uh, offer the offer the Jazz what they want, but yeah, this seems like sort of classic public posturing right within that same piece tony jones acknowledging the heat don't have anything that the interests the utah jazz enough to get the deal over the hump there's other reporting out duncan there duncan robinson the born born jasmine duncan born robinson, jasmine born yeah jasmine. the salt lake tribune reported that there are members of that front office in utah that prefer tyler hero over rj barrett now maybe that's true i don't know who in that front office feels that way or how much weight they have in those kinds of conversations but whatever there are things here and there but ultimately the Knicks have what 11 future first round picks they've got a bunch of interesting young players Miami doesn't have they have some interesting young players I don't think as many uh or, or as young as the Knicks do and certainly the draft pick part of it is just sort of that's where that's where it sort of ends Miami only has right. two future first rounders that they could deal right now maybe a third if they lift protections on that OKC thing but it doesn't even come close to what the Knicks can offer and then as far as Brooklyn is concerned like what what yeah so <laughs> how does that happen like, no, it's, it's, if, if they could if they could have swung that they do it and it's like why you know the the trade chip is ben simmons right like that's right. that's the link i don't know why ben simmons necessarily would appeal to utah um because of his money and all those things like he's good i think he's pretty yeah. good but he's like uh an enigma and and you're not rebuilding a, around him right yeah. right and you're and you're paying him in a max contract so it's right. a little different um yeah it's just it seems uh and brooklyn has no picks it either. seems like Right, and Brooklyn's all their picks belong to the Rockets, so it's like it's uh, it's the Knicks still, but the this report suggests that Donovan is open to right. going to at least one of the other boroughs, if it's not Manhattan. Um, yeah, it means a whole lot of nothing. Um, this is just like to me, it's just another sign that it's a matter of when and for what, and not if Donovan Mitchell ends up with the Knicks. Um, let's move now to Chet Holmgren. Unfortunately, will miss the entire season. Uh, as he recovers from a ligament injury in his right foot that he suffered while defending, uh, if that's even what you want to call it, uh, LeBron James on a fast break during a recent program run in Seattle. Mike, what does this mean for OKC? It means they get what they want. Another year being bad. Mm. Like it, it stinks that that's like their goal or whatever. I guess like maybe it doesn't stink if you're an OKC fan. Maybe you see the you see the vision. But like Chet was an intriguing player. And an intriguing player that I think a lot of people had some priors on about his injury proneness. And now it means he's not going to play for OKC and they're going to get a year to be, they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league regardless. Right. Now they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league without one of their intriguing young parts to see what's next. Yeah. I mean, it's a bummer. 
more than anything, it's just a super bummer. I was there in summer league watching Chet Holmgren, and he looked awesome. Like he's just a really interesting, sort of unique, fun player to watch. And so, if you're a Thunder fan, you're not rooting for wins. You know, you're, right. you're self-aware enough to know that. But maybe you're just rooting for, yeah, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Josh Giddy, Chet Holmgren. Like these are fun players. These are they are at least fun to watch. Um, and now you have a little bit less fun with this season. So I think it takes the wind out of your sails if you're a Thunder fan a little bit. Um, like I said, just a bummer. But to your point, the Thunder want to be bad. I don't know that Chet Omgren was going to take them to the playoffs, right? He's still like as promising and as interesting as he is, still a rookie. Rookies very rarely have that sort of impact on a team, especially a young and bad team like OKC is. But uh, this does just sort of, if it knocks off like two, three, four wins, whatever it would have been over the regular season, you get a couple of more lottery balls in your favor, whatever, and now maybe you have a chance at Victor Wambayama, who's sort of the bell of the ball in the next draft, and you maybe add him to Chet and and Giddy and SGA if he's still kicking around there, who know, and all the other young things that they got going on there. It's interesting, but um, as far as the Chet Holmgren part goes, should Thunder fans be worried because one of the knocks on on Holmgren going into the draft was was his size and and sort of the injury risk that comes with that. Or is this just more of sort of a freak injury? You know, like, are you, are, does this injury sort of signify or maybe underscore maybe some of the concerns people had with Chet going into this draft? It's not the type of injury that would be associated with what the concerns were, right? Like, this is usually an injury that you get from having too much weight on your, on your feet. Um, it's pretty common in football. It's not a particularly common basketball injury. It's relatively common in football. Um, I read the uh, In Street Clothes article by Jeff Stotts today that yeah. suggests that most, most guys in football who sustain this injury miss about 11 months. Um, but it is not something that is like associated with someone being too skinny or not strong enough for all of those things. It's like it's a ligament injury that happens from putting weight on, you know, an acute, specific acute injury for it. So, yeah, I think it does confirm some priors of people who are like, I told you he would get hurt. Like, it allows you to say that. And you were right because he did get hurt. But it is not in the manner right. in which I think was a fair way to say that he would. Uh, but that's not going to stop people from, you know, ringing the bell if they thought they were right. I wonder if teams look at this, too, because Chet was playing in this pro-am thing that has nothing to do with the Oklahoma City Thunder. They just invested all of this time, energy, money into him as the number two overall pick. And before he can ever do anything of any meaningful value with them, he 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 injures his right foot. Uh, and do I just I got no reporting on this. I'm just speculating completely here. But like the teams look at something like this and start putting into contracts, especially for younger players. Hey, listen, you just can't do these program runs, especially if LeBron James is coming at you as like a freight train in a, on a fast break. I just and and I will say the last thing on this: is there a level of irony? that this happened in Seattle, the team yep. that the Thunder took away. Is there any irony in that? Cursed, yeah, cursed ground. He went back to cursed ground for the biggest NBA event in Seattle in 15 years. Yeah. And of course this, this happens. Yeah, there's something to it. Dudes are going to play basketball regardless if there's fans in the building or not. If he's not playing in a pro-am, he's going to go play pickup at UCLA. Right. He's going to go play pickup in, in, in Miami, you know, famed runs in, in warmer climates that happened all summer long so like yeah he's gonna hoop and if he was gonna have an acute injury it could happen anywhere this just happened there was it was like a big public deal right so i i could see if you are okc being like damn it like why did this have to happen but if anyone needed more seasoning against high level competition coming out of this draft it was your boy chet holmgren mm. like it was like he right. needed to play against nba level guys a yeah. bunch so if it wasn't here you would hope he was playing five on five basketball somewhere else and if you play basketball you might get hurt.
Clay Thompson tore his Achilles after tearing the ACL, just warming up in, in LA, just came down right. weird, tore his Achilles, was not in a public pro-am or anything like that. Uh, no, it's a good point. Uh, Joel Embiid, Blake Griffin, guys who missed their entire first seasons as rookies came back, and both of them had and still having pretty great careers. So not the end of the world. Yeah, they're pretty talented, I'd yeah. say. After the break, we'll rank the most clutch players in the NBA. This is Locked On NBA. All right, it's Friday, which means it's time to count down to the weekend. And today we are ranking our five most clutch players in the NBA. But instead of our normal just sort of countdown, just raw rankings, I thought we could switch it up just the format a little bit. We're going to do a draft here, Mike. I'll let you go first since you're the guest. We're going to go snake style. You go first, and then I go. For those of you who don't know snake style for some reason. Um, the idea is simple. Game's on the line. You need to put the ball in somebody's hands. Who are you going with first? It's a pickup game of um, all the players in the NBA. Now, I think part of this is going to be, hey, like just your thoughts. Who's the best shooter? Who's the best passer, playmaker, most trustworthy, most clutch, just sort of in your head thinking about it. But there's also stats to back this stuff up, right? NBA.com, they keep these clutch stats. So that stuff matters too. But I'm going to go with you since you're the guest. Who's your first overall pick in our clutch draft? Yeah, I mean, I think legally, I'm the host of Lockdown Blazers. <laughs> I got, I got, I got to do it. Like, I, 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 I can't go back to my people and not have done this. I'm going to take Damian Lamont, Ollie Lillard, with the first overall pick. Um, his bona fides, you have seen him on in the playoffs. He's been pretty darn good at it. Um, basically, since he came into the league, he was someone who wanted to and made clutch shots and. Um, He's authored two of the best shots in the history of the franchise. Um, some iconic moments, uh, a famously bad one over Paul George. So, uh, yeah, Dame's going to be my first pick. Two years ago, obviously barely played last year. Two years ago, shot right. 51% in clutch uh, moments, which NBA.com defines as a game within five points with five minutes or less to go in the game. So uh, Lillard, 51%, which is far and away the best. It's, that's the best number among among players who played at le in at least 25 games where they qualify for that stat. Um, I have no problem with Damian Lillard. I'm going to go I'm going to go Nikola Jokic with my second pick. And I think that might surprise some people, but first of all, just the raw numbers are great. 49.5% shooting in those situations last year. The year before that, 49.5% shooting in those yep. situations. Incredibly efficient, incredibly consistent and what's great about Jokic is he could get his shot off against anybody but he can also get his pass off against anybody we, we've seen those cross-court swings to open teammates for three-pointers that can win the game just this last season two-time MVP obviously in two straight seasons um, I kind of think that Jokic kind of gets left out of this conversation you don't think of a guy like Jokic number one he plays center as a guy who you would consider putting the ball in his hands at the end of the game you usually think of ball handlers guys like Damian Lillard but to me Outside of Dame, and I like the Dame pick, but like Jokic is my number one pick. Yeah, Jokic also has some great defensive plays late in games last True. year. Like he's he's a great. Um, he's on my list. He was the second yeah. guy on my list. I yeah. want to take them. He's, um, you know, you don't win back to back MVPs without being impactful late in games, and he's great at it. Like he's great at it, and he just whoops your ass at one mile an hour, and that is uh, <laughs> pretty entertaining if nothing else. Uh, who's your next pick then? My next pick. I'm also going big. I'm going to go Joe L. M. B. I like it. Um. Maybe someone who is even less than Jokic, like maybe considered like specifically not clutch Joel Embiid, but his clutch numbers are bonkers. Yes. Bonkers. Shot 46% from three in the clutch. He's basically Steph Curry with the, with the game on the line. Uh, you know, he's, he's big guys and particularly Joel, he doesn't dribble across half court. 
If you don't dribble across half court, it's a little bit weirder. Someone has to pass you the ball in those clutch situations. But we saw in the playoffs against Toronto, hits a big three from the corner to win a game. Like, he did it all season long. Late clock, Joel Embiid is clutch. And the dude can score from all over. And if nothing else, he's intimidating. So you have to send two people to him, which opens things up. Uh, to wit, his teammate, who may come up here later, has pretty good clutch numbers. Uh, a lefty with a beard has pretty good clutch numbers as well, in part because Joel has some real gravity. I thought you were talking about Furk on Korkmaz, but then you gave it away with the beard. Um, uh, Furk does have crazy clutch numbers if you're <laughs> looking at it. My, my man puts it up. Good. Good for him. Good for Furk. Um, okay. So you took Embiid. I like that pick. I'm going to Marta Rosen. On my list, number four. I mean, he's awesome. 53.5% in clutch situations last year. 45.2% in clutch situations. Um, that's the shooting percentage um, two years ago. I mean, just beyond the highlights, right? And remember, like, what was that, in January or something that he just had like yeah, three straight? back-to-back. Back. Yeah, back-to-back yeah. game winners. I mean, this is a guy who just knows how to get a shot. And yeah, he's not the best three-point shooter, uh, even though his clutch stats are kind of good, but that's on a super so small sample size. It doesn't matter. Um, but he just can work that mid-range area. Those spots that are you that look, you're not getting an open three in clutch situations, right? They're sending two right. to the ball if you're if you're a primo three-point shooting threat. Like you said, with even a guy like Embiid, when you're trying to get to the rim, they're double, triple teaming you because there's not much time left on the clock and they're trying to take the ball out of your hands. You need a guy who could just get into those weird little nooks and crannies on the court and just find a way to get a decent shot off. DeMar DeRozan is super good at that. His numbers throughout his career have been clutch. I'm going DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, so he made two threes in clutch time all of last season. Both of them were game winners. Yeah. Like it's he he doesn't it. do it often, but when he needs to, he can still get into the bag. Like he was, um, yeah, he had a he had a nice little, he had a nice little week there. Uh, for my next pick, this comes with some controversy because I I've watched this man's career for fifteen years. I'm gonna pick regular season Chris Paul. Okay, I'm gonna say it again. I'm gonna pick regular season Chris Paul. Okay. I know that after game 85, Chris Paul gets worse. I have seen it with my own two eyes since about 2008. Really, really good in the playoffs prior to 2008 um, when he should have won MVP. Uh, holler at your boy at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. Uh, but CP, his clutch numbers since he's been in Phoenix have been nuts. They're the best clutch offense in the league. He's the engine of that offense. Like he's not their best player. Mm -hmm. Devin Booker is their best player. Devin Booker's clutch numbers, also fantastic. But if you watch the Suns, the guy driving the best clutch offense in the league is a 36-year-old and then recently 37-year-old point guard. Um, he's He's been fantastic. I also saw game seven. I, I know. I know what happened against the Mavs. I know that there was a moment to come up clutch where they lost by 2,000 points. Uh, but I'll give me regular season CP every day of the week. Yeah, it's more than just shooting, right? And CP is obviously a very efficient shooter, but it's timing with the ball in your hands. It's it's making the right decision, not turning the ball over. And Chris Paul's numbers, especially the turnover numbers, the lack thereof yeah. throughout his career in these moments are just ridiculously good. Uh, he's in crazy efficient. You 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 trust him ultimately with the ball in his hands in clutch time situations. So I've got no problem with Chris Paul there. I like the pick. Um, let's just do two more here. Um, I think we got time cool. for two more. I'm between two guys. Mm. Screw it. I'll go for the headline here. I'm going John Morant. There you go. I'm going John Morant. The numbers were great last year. 42% in clutch time situations. Led the league in points in those situations. Uh, the year before that, he was fine. Uh, but this is a guy on the rise. And the thing about Ja that I love is 
not afraid to take the shot, even the three-point shot, which I think if you're a Memphis fan, sometimes you scratch your head at the fact that he takes like 11 threes a game or whatever it is, and you're like, why? Uh, but what I saw against Golden State before he got injured in that in that semifinal series in the in, in the playoffs was an ability to just get to his spot, which is right by the rim, use that shoulder, and then go up, use glass or not, and just get a bucket. And that guy has such long arms. He is so athletic. He has such great body control. He has such great awareness, and he's got that instinct, that timing instinct of all those things. He could just put his head down and go get a bucket, plus a phenomenal passer, a pretty good decision maker. Um, I think he actually gets better in those situations because he stops taking all those threes and starts getting to the basket. I like John Morant here. I'm going to take him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the three point shooting, his clutch numbers, his clutch three point shooting numbers are not great. No. Um, but he's, you know, he he shoots 86 percent from the line and gets there frequently, yes. and he's shooting above 50 percent on twos. Like, um, I, I can do the math. Above 50 percent on twos is enough. It's enough <laughs> to get you there. Um, so yeah, like I I got no problem with Ja. He was he was uh, on my list, probably a little lower than this. Sure. Um, so I'm going to go Luka Doncic. Oh, all right. Whose numbers, whose numbers do not back this up. No, but I like it. The numbers, the numbers in the regular season particularly do not back this up. But it's, but I can't bet against this dude. (laughs) Like I, I I mean, I'm a, I'm a numbers guy. Like I'm, I'm not someone who's like, watch the games nerd. I'm like, I am a nerd watching the games. Right. But like, I I recognize when I was preparing for this, you said, Hey, let's do a clutch draft. I was like, okay, yeah, here's, here's my list. And I was trying to find the numbers. I was Luca's not as good as I thought he would be. Like, why right. is he not up here? Where is his name on the list as I keep scrolling and scrolling? But I've seen him too many times in big leverage moments, get to his left and hit shots. Do mm-hmm. not let Luca go left in the clutch. He will beat you. They have a name for it in Dallas. It happens so frequently. It's Luca Magic. Even if overall the efficiency is a little low because he's such a high usage guy, give me Luca and give me Luca with the game on the line because of the size, because of the passing, and because of that. Mm-hmm. Um a man going to his left, he's pretty darn good at it. I have no problem with it. I really don't. Sometimes we get a little too caught up in the numbers. And basically with these numbers, they're all such small sample sizes that you don't want to use, you don't want to fully rely on them, right? And that's part of the reason too, why I still feel a little funny not having three guys on this team, uh, on the, in this draft. We didn't say LeBron James's name. We didn't say Steph Curry. Yep. We didn't say Kevin Durant. Now, Le- those are the other two on my list. Exactly, yeah. I, I those, those were the guys I was... I was between Morant and Durant, and I just went for the kind of more surprising one. I went with Morant, even though pro- if I was actually doing this practice, like if I were a coach and I needed to get a bucket at the end of a game, and this was real life, I probably still might just go with LeBron just because it's LeBron or Kevin Durant just because it's Kevin Durant. I'm not saying I wouldn't. It'd be hard hard to pick against KD if right? you need one basket, right? Like of, of anyone in the world. Right. Uh, and Steph, in Steph's clutch numbers throughout his career have not been great, but it's Steph Curry. And that's a more... That some of that is a function of the fact that just how Golden State plays and they they basically face guard him and put three in his face and he makes plays into other people and and Draymond's getting people into whatever. Uh and and obviously Kevin Durant was there for a few years. But uh yeah. I like the list. Yeah, I'm good with it. The 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 Steph stuff is like his most clutch moments come with like nine minutes left in the fourth quarter right. when he ends the game. So you can't come back. Right. It's like we're gonna make a push and then Steph hits two threes and all of a sudden you're down fourteen again. Yeah, he buries you early. Uh, so yeah, like he's 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 you know he's doing the night night thing or whatever, and yeah. it's like he did the most clutch thing you can do is avoid clutch time. Um, well, that's that's it for our clutch time, Mike. Thanks for joining me. This was fun. Uh, remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On NBA wherever you listen to podcasts for thirty minutes 
of the NBA's top stories every day until next Friday. You can find me over at Locked On Heat, Mike, over at Locked On Trailblazers. Thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. 